When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You are listening to Inside F1 with Joe Sayward on Missed Apex Podcast. We live F1. Welcome to Inside F1 with Joe Sayward on Missed Apex Podcast, an independent Formula One podcast that aims to bring you a race review before your Monday morning commute, as well as a wide array of F1 subject matter experts that cover every aspect of F1, from racing to politics, tech, news and business. This show is safe for work. We're keeping it clean here so you can play this with kids in the background or at work. I'm your host, Richard Spanners Ready, and I'm back in the shed less than a day After our late night review of the Austin Grand Prix, I'm amazed it went that well, considering we were up chatting at 1am, but it was made much easier by the crew. So thank you very much to Matt, who did some of the media and the write-ups, to Felix, who tidied up the website, and Steve Amy, an amazing Australian that has taken over the YouTube production. And you need to check out what Steve has done, because not only is he much, much better than anything I could do, but he's also taking it off my hands. So it means I get to go to bed a little bit earlier. And it means I have the energy to speak to friend of the show and paddock superstar, Joe Saywood. Thanks for joining us again, Joe. I'd just like to correct you there because him being in Australia, uh, he's going to go to bed a long way before you, isn't he? Yeah, but that saves me. (laughs) It saves me going to bed. He actually does it while he's at work on a Monday morning. Exactly. Intergalactic living is um, it's the best way to do it, because when you want to go to bed, there should be somebody on the other side of the world who can do the work. I'm in a grotty hotel room in Austin, Texas. But, you know, I need a shave. I haven't slept for a very long time. And um, apart from that, all is well. So, Joe, you, you always say you're not partying on a Sunday night. So why haven't you slept? I think you've been up uh, on the source. Well, I have to produce magazines, you know. So I produced Grand Prix Plus, and then I went through the night writing my newsletter. And uh, it, it takes a lot of energy. It's a lot of words and a lot of effort and a lot of everything. And then I'm going to go to sleep after that. And then eventually I might write a notebook item if I can remember how to write. I'm doing all right. At the moment. My, my words are in the right order sometimes. 
You're doing better than me then, Joe. Uh, obviously, we do appreciate you being in here. And perhaps half the reason that you're up so late through the night and into this next day is because of the energy that came from the razzmatazz of the Austin Festival. What did you make of that opening? It didn't keep me awake all night long, that's for sure. Um, <clears throat> I thought it was, I, well, I sort of knew what was going to happen um, in advance because 300 years ago, I went to a NASCAR race. And uh, so I had a word. I was talking to Braun. Braun so I'm doing it now. Sean Bratches, um, just before it happened, and I said, is this going to be a NASCAR kind of thing? You know, like, and here he is, ladies and gentlemen, the meanest, nastiest person in the whole world, um, <coughs> Dale Earnhardt, you know, and all this sort of rubbish. And he goes, how did you know that? And I said, I've been to NASCAR. And that was, it was, it, it actually was a bit, uh, the, the thing that was wrong with it is that the Formula One drivers didn't get it. And they didn't come in bouncing and energized, whereas the NASCAR boys who do it every week, they'll come in bouncing around and, you know, playing up to their image. So, you know, here is, ladies and gentlemen, Bill Elliott, Orson Bill from Dorsonville, and Orson Bill walking with a bit of grass hanging from his lip and all this sort of stuff, you know, the country boy. And they play roles. And, and you know, if the guys are going to sort of amble in carrying a helmet, you sort of lose the energy. But if they come bouncing in, and a couple of them did. Yeah. Know, Science and, and Dan Ricardo inevitably. Um, but you've got to have the energy that goes with it. So, I mean, it's an interesting idea. I know that lots and lots of old fogies think it's ghastly and terrible and the end of civilization as we know it. But, um, you know, you've got to play to the crowd a little bit. And let's face it, if we don't play to the crowd, all the old fogie fans in Formula 1 are going to die and nobody's going to be left watching it. So. But yeah, you're right. You agree with Craig Alderson in the chat room saying Danny Rick knew how to enter. And as well, they did little videos at the beginning as well, didn't they? So he had Ricciardo. Very funny. Um, yeah. Because you know, I have no idea what Danny Rick was doing in his one. He was sort of waving his hands around like somebody who's had far too much dope. It was so and, cool. <laughs> and uh, Lewis was, was having a severe case of Las Vegas going on there. All he needed was a few sequins. <laughs> And Kimmy's eyes were seriously scary because I don't know what they did, but they shined light in his eyes. So they sort of reflected like some sort of Android thing, which is actually not very far from the truth, you know. But, I, but overall, what was your overall impression? Because aside from... It needs work. But first of all, it needs the drivers to understand yeah. what they're trying to do. So in other words, you've got to tell the drivers, just get energy out there and bounce in as though you're playing basketball. But if they do that, I don't see a problem with it. I think it's quite funny, actually. See, Bottas sort of really was a kind of apologising for his existence as he walked in, almost head down kind of, oops, sorry about this, everyone. <laughs> it was actually, it was quite fun. I mean, it was it was a really interesting event because you know, Americans are very kitsch anyway, but you know they, they do stuff that Formula One's never done. I went to a, a, a dirt track race, I don't know what it was now, um, I have to think about it. It was a, 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 a sprint car race and <clears throat> on dirt. And it was, you know, the, the, I think it was called the Twin 100s. And it was two 100-mile races in these on this little oval. And if you won both of them, uh, you got a humongous amount of money. Mm. Um, and, of course, if you won the first one, they reversed the grid. So this is just showbiz. But they had a Brinks Matt van going around, you know, with two absolutely identical twin blondes carrying money and waving to the crowd. And it's just that's it. We don't do that in Europe. And I think we're poorer for it. I mean, you can say it's it's naff and you can say it's 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 all these things, but it's fun. And going motor racing is supposed to be fun. You know, you shouldn't be there like a sort of cricket uh, scorer going, oh, dot, one, dot, you know. 
Even cricket realised that it had to do something to come into the modern age and adopted 2020 cricket, which I love, even though I'm a fan of test cricket. So, yeah, I mean, you can just tune in for the parade lap if you hate it that much and let people who enjoy the show tune in 15 minutes before. Well, if you're American, uh, you're going to have to tune in for the parade lap next year because that's all you're getting. So. Ah, does that bring us on to the, oh, no, the TV the deals? New deal, the ABC ESPN deal is basically a sky feed. So you're, you lucky people in Tennessee are going to get David Croft. And, uh, and the not at all bitter Martin Brundle. Martin Schmundel, of course. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what they're getting. They're now getting the sky feed because our American listeners will- often yeah. complain about when they have to be inventive and find a feed somewhere and it's the sky feed. They're usually not that happy. Well, they're going to be very unhappy because there's no there's going to be no studio introductions, nothing. It's just going straight into it. So basically but how the, we get Formula E. Well, it's the, the thing is that what they're doing is they're going through a, a transition. They're going to have their own, what they call in America, the over-the-top um, programming, which will be Formula One's own programming. It will be, you know, you will, you will have to pay for it, but it will be, it'll be cheap. Um, and you will then be able to stream it on any device wherever you are in the world. And all these, you know, there's lots of things that are good about it. And what they'll do is they'll have their own crew doing it. So I suggest probably people like Will Buxton will get picked up and, and you know, so they won't be unemployed anymore. Will's gone off to New York today to talk to NBC if she, if, see if he can present the weather or something. I don't know. But uh, Have, have um, you spoken to Will? Because he seems to have at least uh, publicly taken it very well that he's effectively out of a job. And we're big fans of Will here and wondering what he's going to do next in F1. Yeah, he'll be, I mean, he'll, he'll come up smelling in roses. He always does. Fair enough. Uh, the chat room's asking if you are still in America. For those that joined late, yes, Joe is joining us live in his hotel room from Texas. So uh, that is utter dedication there, Joe, uh, for which I'll... I'm- Texas for another four days because I'm going into Mexico as late as possible. <laughs> yeah, mainly because the hotel rooms are so outrageously overpriced that uh, I'd rather stay here and be uh, murdered here it's better than going there to be murdered so <laughs> we sincerely hope you don't get murdered joe uh but since you are in austin let's ask ask, ask you about how austin has kind of fit in into the formula one calendar for a lot of people now this is you know one of the the keystone uh, f1 tracks has it achieved its aims because i think it was kind of this is going to be the rebirth of f1 in america many years ago it hasn't achieved that yet because one race can't really do that. But I, I think in order to understand Austin, you have to understand the city. And the city is, they have a slogan for the city, which is keep Austin weird. And if you want to have a really entertaining time sometime, just go into a, a Google and type in Texas election results <coughs> for, the, uh, for the last presidential election. Texas is a country the size of France, and uh, the Republican Party are portrayed in red on this map. And Texas is a sea of red all the way um, from the mountains to the rivers and all the rest of this rubbish. But in the middle, there's a little patch of blue, which is called Austin, uh-huh. <laughs> and where, where they don't wear cowboy boots all the time. They don't go yee-haw and shoot each other as much as in other places. But they're a load of hippies. Um, they're all tattooed. And they're the most fascinating and interesting and mad people you'll, you'll encounter. I mean, you know, your bartender is likely to be a... Uh, a, a psychology graduate and things like that. You know, it's just it's just a wacky kind of town, and and that's why Formula One fits because Formula One is weird in America. You know, it doesn't do what those big old NASCAR boys do, and um, 
you know, it's not, it's a niche sport. So in order to stop being a niche sport, we have to have more races and they're working on it. But we had President Clinton wandering on the grid yesterday. So can't be all bad. Um, <laughs> we also had all kinds of other people, but I can't remember who they all were. But there were these sort of famous people like Michael Douglas and, you know, Usain Bolt. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and him. Yeah, he was petrified by Lewis driving him around in circles. It was quite funny. He looked actually quite petrified on the podium as well. And he's such a charismatic guy. It was strange to see him so out of his element. But it was a fantastic... I mean, that picture on the podium and doing the lightning thing yeah, is incredible. just sensational. I mean, that's the sort of thing Formula One should be doing, and that's great. I mean, and Lewis was terrific, you know. Um, in fact, Lewis is getting better and better. Some of the others are becoming more and more wooden, but Lewis is just getting cooler and cooler at the moment. Yeah, we mentioned this yesterday. He sort of very much owns that podium atmosphere, and he's actually saved a lot of the podium interviewers recently. Mm. No, and I think, I mean, if, uh, the perfect uh, podium these days is, is Lewis with Danny Rick and a shoe, you know. Here we go. We'll we get some more complaints about being pro-Hamilton, though, Joe. You know that. I don't care. I'm not pro-Hamilton. I'm just saying he does a good job. You know, rather than some dour old German standing there looking because he lost, you know, pouting or weeping or whatever, you know, it, it's just get on with it. You know, it's Lewis is Lewis is the best thing the sport has going for it at the moment. I'm not talking about driving or anything else. He's just a great promotional person and he's going to places that no one else is doing. Max Verstappen is doing the same thing, but to different places. You know, he's getting he's getting down with the kids. And, uh, you know, there is there's a lot of. um younger generation people getting interested in Formula One because of Max. Uh, yeah, but he did make a comment in the pen saying he hoped people wouldn't turn up next year to kind of show up how terrible the stewarding was. Uh, yeah, well, that's another question. I mean, the question of whether or not he should... I mean, there's no question about the fact that he drove a decent half a metre off the road. He certainly did, yeah. But the question is... Should that be penalised? Should you take away what has just been a most fantastic last few laps, building up to a pass, you know, two corners from home to get the thing? Should you take it away just because it says here in a, you know, it's just silly, to be honest. And I think that sometimes, you know, there, if you go back through the race, you'll find three or four examples of drivers who went completely off the road doing stuff um, and nobody did anything about it. So it's just, it's not consistent and it's not sensible. They can fully justify ha having done it because there's no question. You can see video of him driving off the road, but that's not the point. The point is, you know, it's it was just a sensational finish, and they kind of ruined it. Um, yeah, so this penalty obviously didn't go down very well at Red Bull, and they seem to be taking it very, very personally. Christian Horner referred to a steward I won't name and Max Verstappen said, one idiot in the stewarding box. Uh, I don't know who that is. I assume you know who they're talking about. Actually, I don't. I mean, the, the, the driver's steward, Mika Sala, um, the chief steward is a guy who's been around forever. Uh, the, the the American local stewards, are, they're, they're sensible guys, but, you know, sometimes sensible guys may be reading the rule book too Formally, you know, you've got to have a little bit of give and take and to destroy, effectively destroy the show. Um, you know, and people say, well, why didn't they apply the penalty afterwards? I think if you're going to have a penalty, you do it immediately, which they did. But, you know, it didn't help because poor old Max uh, had to sort of wander. I, I, I thought he took it very grown up, actually. He didn't sort of headbutt anybody, um, you know. And if you'd just driven a race like that, got the place at the last corner, 
but you know, it wasn't just Red Bull. And Jos Verstappen was quite lively on Twitter yeah. too. Um, <laughs> but if you look, you'd find Nicky Lauda saying some pretty strong stuff about this is rubbish. And there's a near Nico Rosberg said it was rubbish. I mean, there were a lot of people who weighed into the fight saying this is just you know not what you do. Um, but the FIA has to get it sorted out. Their stewarding has been a lot more. Um, a lot better in recent years. And there's certainly in, in the old days, there was a certain amount of interference going on from outside. That doesn't happen anymore. Uh, and they are more consistent, but they have to just be sensible about things. And it's uh, the other thing to be, to be fair to them also, it's a hard job. It's not easy to be the referee. And, you know, referees get shouted at in lots of places, but, you know, disallowing a goal in the last minute of the match um, that's effectively what they did, a sensational goal. You know, Max Verstappen has run up the entire field, ran rings around three defenders and popped it into the top corner of the net. And they've gone, eh, eh, no, look, his foot was on the white line. It's just, it's silly, isn't it? Well, his foot, foot shouldn't have been on the white line. But what I was yeah. wondering is, is it the fact that the stewards don't sit there and they're not the ones looking out for things happening? They assess things once something has been brought to their attention, is not that is necessarily? That right? They can bring things to the attention of the race director if they want to, and they do sometimes. If the race director doesn't do things, they may well say, "Well, why aren't you acting on that?" I mean, they have lots of powers. They can actually punish people. They can give them community service as well as you oh, know, right. you know, <laughs> and fines. You know, Sebastian Vettel, you have to empty the bins at the uh, at the. Uh, Circuit of the Americas for three weeks, you know. They See can how do that, that goes of. down. Um, Manolo in the chat is saying that it was Gary Connolly that all the Red Bull folk were referring to. Yes, I know. I was just being nice. Oh, okay. Well, now the the chat room has outed him for Gary me. Connolly. Gary Connolly is the Australian uh, member of the World Motorsport Council. He he has a very long and very distinguished career in various kinds of uh, mainly in rallying, actually. But he's you know he's a he's been doing. He's one of the four permanent stewards who rotate through um, in the course of the year. And those four guys are generally very sensible. I mean, one of them, Gerd Enza, is, is a judge in Bavaria. You know, they're, they're proper serious people. Yes. And, and so it's easy to say it's rubbish. But in this case, I do think it was, it was just over-applying the rules. I think sometimes you just got to let it, you know, let it go and enjoy the moment. You're a wily old fox, Joe. I thought it was suspicious that you wouldn't know who the driver's steward is. I'll be more wary next time. I'm learning, you see. <laughs> of course I know who the driver's steward is. <laughs> I, know, I was like, that's well, weird. I mean, actually, I mean, because we go to many races, you know, it's not unusual for Gary, his wife and I, and uh, David Tremaine, my business partner, to go out for dinner together, you know. So this is the sort of thing that happens when you're traveling around the world together. So, you know, it's, um, I, I, I don't think you should criticize them absolutely, but I think there's a level of sort of, well, that one's a bit, um, no, that one was just a little bit deflating. And yes, he did. But then again, you know, did it really make a difference? So I spoke to... Even even Kimmy thought it was a bit odd. What was all that about? You know, how come I'm here? I mean, that was his sort of view of it. He didn't mind being there at all, you know, considering he'd handed the place over to his teammate, you know. So I spoke to somebody, shall we say a source close to Red Bull, and they said to me they were devastated. They were all consoling each other this morning. And even though, you know, they, they thought the penalty was rubbish and it shouldn't have been given, it was a bit of a cheeky punt up the inside. Look, these guys, one thing about racing teams, 
um, media types and all the rest of it is that they will they will they will make it sound like there's been a terrible disaster and this that and the other and look they'll paint tears on their faces to try and convince <laughs> us that, that this is a disaster for them it's not a disaster he did a good job they still got good coverage they still got some points they're not going to catch ferrari anyway they're going to stay third so what's the, what's the big deal the question is really not any of that the question is is it sensible what they did and Christian, by the way, is particularly good at doing that, um, you know, sort of making things, blowing them out of proportions when he feels it's necessary and, and trying to calm it down when he doesn't think it's necessary. He does it both ways. Yeah, he's definitely a guy who feels like he's got some power and weight in the media and what he says is picked up and listened to, uh, and he certainly uses that. But what would you do about track limits in general, Joe? It's a, it's something that we argue about quite a lot. I mean, short of just carving cliffs off the edge of the track. and no, no, I think if you, I think Nicky Lauder's got the right idea, which is just build a brick wall. If you want them not to go somewhere, put a brick wall in there, and they won't go there. It's very simple. Um, the trouble is that the Zebra Crossing Brigade wouldn't like that, so... Um, the health and safety you know, people. They want they, your health and safety. They, they want traffic lights on, you know, the chicanes and things. Um, and the halo, of course. But that's another story. It's 2017, though, Joe. It would be n- trivial now to have devices on the cars that when they ran all four wheels off, you just take off 5% horsepower. Trivial. Easy to do. It would. In a flash. In a flash. And then nobody would ever go off the road. Yeah, exactly. It would be like going off the road in Mario Kart and getting bogged down. I don't know. I've never, I've never been in a Mario Kart, but I think you might be talking <gasps> virtually there. I, you've <laughs> never been in a Mario Kart, right, Joe? Not, no, I'm not that generation. You know, I'm, um, I'm a generation that has real things as opposed to things that are made up of digital bits and bobs. One day, this is my new lifelong ambition. Now is to play Mario Kart with Joe Sayward, and I will not rest until that <laughs> happens. I will. I'll rest a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Then you'll know the true meaning of track limits. Um, uh, Joe, shall we risk our very own red shell? That's a Mario Kart reference. Don't worry. Just go with it. Uh, And talk about Carmen. Can we talk about Carmen? Carmen. Uh, You can talk about Carmen, but if we do that, there'll be another... There'll be, there'll be people all over the world going, oh, you're sexist. I'm not sexist. <laughs> She's a rubbish racing driver. End of story. This isn't going to be know, another cowboy girl a... hat gate. Don't worry about it. I think we can have a mature conversation about it. <laughs> It's not about what she's got under her overalls. It's about whether she can drive a car fast. There are men who've got things under their overalls and can't drive cars fast as well. The fact is, she's just not a very good racing driver. And to come out and say the things she said is just ridiculous. I mean, she's got a great future as a glazier building glass ceilings. Uh, yeah, I mean, she said some stuff which everyone instantly facepalmed. I think both sides of the debate, both people who are genuinely trying to push forward women in motorsport and people who were trying to do it down all just mm. went oh my goodness what is she saying what was the motivation for those comments do you think she was just kind of justifying her lack of success i've no i, I don't care <laughs> frankly i don't care not i'm not in the least bit interested because a woman coming out and saying that really helps nobody it so didn't did it it really if didn't. she if she could accept that she's not good enough which is fine i thought i, I thought the best reaction came from simona de silvestro who said well, some of us have proved this isn't true. Full <laughs> stop. You don't have to get emotional about it, you know. Simona de Silvestro crashed at Indianapolis at 200 and whatever, went upside down, caught fire, burned her hands, and was back in the car qualifying the next day. So if you're looking for testicles, I know where to find some. Oh, yeah. If you want to find tough women, just go down to your local barracks and you ask the blokes there, you know, what the lasses are in green. You know, are they tough cookies? I think you'll find that most of them will say, 
Uh, yes, indeed, they are. Um, but she did say a couple of things that might be interesting. I fully believe that women, there's no reason that young girls shouldn't be dominating karting, uh, if they were, if they were want to do so. It's a numbers game. Not many of them want to do so. It's not even that. It, it's a social problem. It's not to do with, it's not to do with the women themselves up to a point. Uh, when they're kids, they're just kids. And kids like to go karting, and there's a lot of girls who kart, and a lot of girls who beat the boys. Now, you get to about 13, and then you have social pressures begin. Their friends say, why are you doing that boys' sport? Yep. You have the parents going, you have to be a girl now. And all these things make it really, really hard for them to go on. So if you look at the dropping out rates on, in motorsport, and of course they've got to find money and all these other things you've got to do to move on from karting. But that's where the problem lies. It lies in the fact that they're under pressure from everybody. And of course, in your teenage years, you're not the most self, um, self-assured person anyway. So a lot of them have got their friends and their families telling them they're supposed to be girlies and give up and wear frocks and not overalls. And they haven't got the confidence to say, oh, screw that, I'm going to do it. Yeah, oh, I'm feeling it with my five-year-old girl now because I've just convinced her to start doing some go-karting, but she just thinks of it as that's a boy thing and all racing drivers are boys, which is why when Carmen Jordan was about, even though she wasn't no good, I was still pointing to her anytime we saw her in coveralls and was going, look, lady racing driver, ladies can be racing drivers. And Susie Wolf was excellent for that as well. Uh, but you're absolutely right. There's that social pressure. But the one thing Carmen did say was perhaps we could have a female league. And on the surface, it's not a terrible idea from where I'm standing by. They did it in the 1920s and 30s. It never caught on. It never succeeded. It never survived. End of story. If you're going to do it, you play games and you do it properly. In other games, in physical, uh, you know, where you're punching each other or playing rugby, I accept then you can have it and it makes sense to have separate things, physical contact sports. But car racing, there's no reason why. There's absolutely no reason why. Women can't beat men, apart from there is an argument which Michel Mouton, the head of the Women's Commission, put forward, which is that psychologically and um, in terms of human development, females are more, uh, they want to preserve themselves more than the mad men. Men, the hunter with their spear, go charging at the mammoth, and women sort of hide behind trees and go, uh, well, we'll let him deal with that. Now, there is a, there is, some serious um, arguments here. I'm not. I'm not making fun of it, because in a split second, when when decisions are made, and this is what Michelle said. She said, "I can I can beat any man um, driving up a, a hill in a rally. I'll go to the edge of a cliff. I'm not frightened by it. Mm-hmm. But if I'm driving alongside a man 200 miles an hour going down the straight at Le Mans, I'm slightly alarmed because you never know what these lunatics are going to do. <laughs> and and she's right. Yeah. And you know that is. And so she, she If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast. And up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. She believes, she actually does believe that while she thinks there can be Formula One drivers, women Formula One drivers in the future, um, if, you, if you have the right girls, I'm not sure she entirely believes you can never have a world champion because that level of of competition, that level of aggression and all these other things that make the world champions mm. – there are very few girls who've got these um, these necessary kinds of level. Well, I'm going to stand up for womankind a little there because I know you're not being anti-women at I'm, all. I'm, I'm I know you're not. <laughs> womankind too. Believe me, I want nothing more. I I was so happy when Simona turned up because she was the one who I thought, now this girl's got pretty much all that it takes. I don't know. She's a winner, but you know anyone who can do what she did in the states, and she did well. She had a test with the Sauber team, but the trouble is she didn't have any money. And yeah. You know, if you don't have money, it doesn't matter. It, actually, it's easier to get money if you're a woman. Man, I would just love to see a world, just just so we could know, I'd love to see a world where we spend 10 years having exactly the same amount of girl carters as boy carters, and then just see what the shape of F1 is 10 years after that. That's, I mean, yeah, that's I the only way we'd settle that argument, isn't it? In my, in my time in Formula 1, which is now quite a long time, but 30 years, the number of women... Uh, is is massively bigger, and not just hospitality girls and press officers. There are lawyers. There are lots of engineers. There's more and more engineers every year. It's 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 astonishing, really. Um, and we walk around the paddock now, and you see endless numbers of women in uniform, and they're and they're and they're working, doing you know, data data engineers. They're doing all kinds of stuff. Aerodynamicists. Motor racing is about merit. It's a meritocracy. If you're good at what you do, you will you will make it. If you're not good at what you do, you won't. Now, there are still there are still some people with bad attitudes in the older generations mainly, but still some young ones as well. There are still some sexist ones <laughs> about. But, you know, it's yeah, just yeah. What, what you can do. I don't know. Well, there you go, Joe. I think we got away with that. I think that's all right. Yeah. We didn't fall out, so. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I don't disagree with you. So, you know. The other thing is, you know, it's a bit like um, let's have grid boys. Well, we've tried grid boys and nobody's interested. 
you well, know, so that's statistically why boys, one tenth of the population were why, interested. That's why grid boys didn't work because nobody was interested. <laughs> Men don't want to look at them, and girls don't really want to look at them because they're too busy looking at the racing drivers. So let the sport have a little bit of tradition. It's a bit like saying, you know, let's go to the circus, but you can't have any animals because it's cruel to animals. You know, you can't have a lion tame. You can have the lion tame, but you're not allowed to have the lions. You know, emails um, to Joe Sayward at gmail.com. It's good. I like that one. Just keep sending them there. <laughs> <laughs> so, Alec, let's talk about some of the driver market stuff because it's been incredible. I can't remember uh, a season where there's been so many in-season swaps. Uh, so the biggest one obviously kicked off by Carlos Sainz going over to Renault. Now, you and me disagreed over the merits of Carlos Sainz, and we may might be showing you, Joe, that he's actually a bit a bit all right. We've had one race so far, so yeah. So far, he's had he's had a good weekend, and Nico Hulkenberg had a bad weekend. We'll see, but I think maybe Nico Nico will will have a bit of a wake up call going on there. Um, I don't know if you've seen in the last few minutes they have actually announced that uh, Brendan Hartley's staying on for Mexico yes, as well. I know. So, I mean, who who what who has Kvyat offended? Has Kvyat gone home with the wrong person's daughter Kvyat at some had point? Thirty seven thousand chances. He's supposed to be in a junior team. He's been there for a very long time. He's been up in the senior team, been bounced back, and he's just not doing it. So at the end of the day, if you base it on the way that Red Bull is brutal to its drivers, he is actually the luckiest of the lot because he's still there, which I don't think he will be. But, you know, if you want to talk about bad luck, you know, you know what happened to Pierre Gasly? Oh, of course. So he thought he was going off to win his Super well, he Formula. He flew all the way to Japan to, to win a championship, and, and they didn't even have the race. So he didn't even get the chance to do it. And he lost his chance of driving in a Grand Prix. So but but that's the way it works. You know, fate is like that. Brendan Hartley wouldn't have had the chance if Gasly hadn't gone. So off we go, round and round in circles. But isn't it interesting that Hartley's got the nod to go in, even though he was, you'd say, generally outperformed. I know he had to start from the back. But did he really do enough? Or was it preordained? He's in his first Grand Prix. Mm-hmm. Okay, first Grand Prix. He hasn't driven a simulator even for eight years. He's got in the car in wet conditions. <laughs> He's given a penalty and told to start oh, at the back yeah, of the grid. I think he did hmm. a fantastic job to, to stay under control throughout the whole process. He didn't crash at all. He didn't, go, didn't throw any wobblies, didn't do anything. He just got on with the job, did it. He's learning all the time. Okay, he didn't keep up with Kvyat, but wow, you know, what do you want him to do? You know, I mean, that was he had about as bad a sort of set of circumstances as you can have as a new driver coming in, and he dealt with it pretty well. But it does kind of show that they were they're they're not fighting to keep Kvyat, are they? Kvyat is a last no. resort. The problem that Red Bull has is they fired too many of their drivers. <laughs> but that their argument is, well, if they're not good enough, why would we keep them? The point is that <clears throat> they've got a big gap now, which is why they've had to go and find Hartley, who's an old Red Bull driver from 10 years ago. And Hartley, is <clears throat> he was always quick, but he was completely and utterly, I mean, he was a farm boy from New Zealand. And when he arrived, he had a, head st- a, he- he had a haystack on his head, quite literally. I mean, it was extraordinary. I don't know how he got the helmet on there, but, <laughs> but he was, you know, he, he was literally, there was a sort of cow following him into the paddock. You know, it was, it was, it was that basic. And he's now learned, he's now a Porsche factory driver. He knows how to present himself. He knows this, he knows that. He's still a bit sort of, you know, farm boy looking. His hair's still a bit bizarre, but, you know, whatever. I kind of like that in a way. Um, it's going back to the NASCAR thing, you know, get a hayseed there and hayseed fans will cheer. I urge people to go back and find 10-year-old photos of Brendan Hartley as part of the junior Red Bull it's team. It's fairly dramatic stuff. I would say it's shocking. 
<laughs> genuinely shocking. Um, fantastic. Yeah, no. So, so do you reckon that is the lineup then, or has he still got to prove himself? Hartley, Gasly. I, for- I think he's going. They'll probably, they'll probably give him the last. Now we've got three races to go. They'll probably give him all three of them. And I think if if he if he by the end of the season if he's if he's sort of up there because Gasly's at the same level really yeah except he's done more actually that's not true because Gasly's done a lot more simulator work than uh, than Hartley has and Hartley's still trying to win the other world championship remember you know he's got a race I think uh, where's he got a race is it next weekend can't be next weekend if he's driving in in Mexico no. it must be the weekend after that um, where he's going he's up to win the world championship. In fact, he's got one at the end after the Formula One season ends. The final round is in um, is in Bahrain in December at some point. So, but he can be a double world champion. So he's got Porsche. So he's saying, "Come on, Brendan, you got to come back and win the championship for us." Mm-hmm. It's a bit like Gasly being told by Honda, "Come on, you got to go win the championship for us." So these guys are not stupid racing drivers. You know, they're they're champions, one and all. Someone well, cruelly nearly. told me that Kamui Kobayashi was in line for the Toro Rosso seat. Yeah, well, that's a nice idea. I mean, to, to be fair. Um, Kamui is a is a jolly fine driver, but um, his you know he had his chance. He had a, a lot of years, and at the end of the day, um, when Toyota went away, he went with them. He raised a million pounds in like kickstart funds, couldn't secure a seat, and then just kept the money anyway. Did he? Yeah, apparently oh, so. Why not? Yeah. Good on him. I'm happy for him to to have That's that money. The finest traditions of motor racing, you know, whatever. Snake oil salesman and um, and crooks. So, so, did you hear much about? So, obviously, the reason signs got in there was the outgoing Palmer, and we've not spoken since he was ultimately dropped. Have you heard much out of Camp Palmer and whether that's no. soured their relationship? I how much with money they got as a payoff, and they and they sort of looked at me as I was insane, um, which is fine. Uh, but clearly, they got a part of money out of it to <laughs> yeah. go off and do something else. So, I've no idea what Jolyon's going to do, but there's not a lot out there for next year at the moment. Um, and, you know, we'll see if, if, if Carlos comes and does the same thing in Mexico, uh, Jolian's stock is going to sink further because people will be saying, well, look, what, look what's happening here. And, you know, so actually the, the final sort of assessment of his career will be um, based on what happens next as opposed to what's already happened. Yeah, because there was lots of comments on Twitter like, oh, Renault finally sorted that second car out then. You know, because it was it was jarring. It's a bit cruel on Palmer. Do you reckon he is uh, definitely out of the Williams seat running? Because that's what the chat uh, is asking not, now. It's not even in the door. Not even in the door. So let's t- talk about Williams then briefly. It's the same two. I have dudes. no idea. Is the no answer. idea. No. You're our eyes and ears in the paddock, Joe. Come yeah, on. As they, don't, as they have no <laughs> idea, how can I have any idea? Uh, I, I heard there something. Is a, a set, there is an argument which I will put forth and, and, Do it. and the chat room will go berserk in Polish. Um <laughs> But while it is a, a nice Cinderella story to, to put Robert in, um, it's a Cinderella story that lasts a week. And then after that, it becomes a negative story for Formula One, which is one-armed man drives as fast as everybody else. Yeah. Which is, which is not a good thing. It's a bit like um, Fernando Alonso going to Indianapolis. It's great, fantastic, big news for Indy. Uh, man from Formula One arrives and beats all the local boys. It's a you good know. point. Yeah, it's a good point. It's it doesn't look good. Story. Yeah. It's a negative story. So um, you have to think these things through. Not that it matters to Williams. Williams will, will, I hope, go for the fastest person. It depends who's making the decisions. You know? Because if Lance Stroll's dad is making the decisions, he's going to choose somebody who's not fast, isn't he? So, and so what's the logic in choosing someone who's not fast? 
because his own boy looks good, great. But unfortunately, you know, looking good when you're 14th as opposed to where Williams should be with a Mercedes engine is not the smartest thing to do. So it does depend on where that power balance lies, and um, only you would know. It depends on cash. Filthy Luca. That's what it depends on. It depends on how much money they've got. If they need more money, and Lawrence Stroll happens to have another ship, shipload of it, um, which he does. He has shiploads of money. You know, he's a very wealthy fellow. You've broken so, Kirsten in the chat room's heart. She's gone, but but you're Joe Sayward. You know everything. Yeah, but sometimes you can't know things when they're not decided, can you? You can say these are the these are the people they might decide on, but until they actually decide, I, I wish I wish I could judge what people are going to do. The one that got me the other day, and it got everybody, even Toto Wolf, I think, is Max Verstappen re-signing with Red Bull. Nobody saw that one coming. Yeah, because no. we we're talking about all the performance clauses and everything like that. So has he just seen something in Red Bull that's made him go, "Yep," because that frightens me. No, I don't think he has. You got to remember, he's twenty years old. Okay, he can afford to take a three-year holiday effectively, yeah. before he's even up to the age of other people arriving. So if he hones his skills at Red Bull, where he's happy, he's comfortable, he's got Adrian Newey, he knows what the engine situation is. He's going to have a choice of two engines in the few, in 19 and 20. Uh, they can have Renaults or they can have Hondas. They can have both, depending on which is better. So um, he's in a happy place. They will pay him a pile of money to stay there because they have to. And then the other thing to bear in mind is we're getting into a phase in Formula One now where budgets are going to be capped. If budgets are capped, what also gets capped? Wages. Salaries to drivers. Mm. Now, Aha. if you've got an offer on the table <laughs> of 30 million for three years, and then you're going to have to go down to having 10 or 15 million only per year, you might as well bank 100 and live happily ever, happily ever afterwards. Because when you come back, you may find, you know, when you go into the big teams, you may find you're not worth as much money because they can't afford to pay you anymore. Yeah. It depends on a lot of things, but fundamentally, if you're going to have if you're going to have a budget cap, driver wages are going to get capped too. So I wasn't on the Max Verstappen hype train. I, I very much thought that he was someone who was being spectacular and getting everyone's attention that way. But you listen to how Lewis Hamilton you're too talks. You're looking at Carlos Sainz, aren't you? See, that's the problem. <laughs> That, well, maybe so, but, but if you look at how Lewis Hamilton talks about Max Verstappen, I think he knows full well that Max Verstappen is fast. I think Daniel Ricciardo is starting to realise he is fast. You, you do know you are talking to the first man who ever said that Max Verstappen would be a Formula 1 driver. I wrote that when he was nine years old, when I first met him. So and you agree. Exactly, if, you go and, if you go and look on the Max Verstappen website, you will find a quote from Joe Sayward saying, which they actually said to me, can we use that quote? Aww. That's because cool. I, met, I met him yeah. when he was nine years old, and I basically said, well, they got a Petri dish out and mixed up all the right DNA to make a superb racing driver, because his mum was a good racing driver, his dad was a good racing driver. Therefore, logically, in the next number of years, we should be having a world champion called Max Verstappen, and blow me down if he's not happening. It's very hard to deny now that the skeptics don't have much of a case. And poor Danny Rick, though, he's being caught in a situation where the top three teams are basically going to have a number one for the next two, three, four years. And wherever he goes, he's going to probably find himself outclassed, if not on pure talent, by just the fact that the team will favour the other driver. So what does that tell you? I don't know, Joe. You know I can't answer your question. Well, I'll tell you what it tells me. It tells me he'll stay where he is. Right. <laughs> because if you're going to be beaten by one bloke, just a little bit, because he's pretty close to him, you know, you might as well stay there. And If you go move somewhere else and get beaten by another bloke, <laughs> you know, you've been beaten by two blokes. So 
Um, and that's a little bit also, I think, the, probably of the logic of the Verstappens, which is that if you go into Ferrari or Mercedes in a secondary role, you can get cast in that secondary role forever. You might as well wait until Lewis or Sebastian retires. Um, and if you're in a team that can turn itself into a winner, fine. But Max has got this one massive luxury that a lot of people don't have, and that is that he's eight years younger than the next winner. Is that right? Hang on, that yeah. can't be right. Alcide Botes and Daniel Ricciardo are the youngest widows apart from a widow, winner. I can't speak winners apart from Max, and there's an eight-year difference. Believe me, he's eight years ahead of his time. It is incredible, and he's with that great bunch of drivers that are coming through all together, aren't they? That they're they're silently well, they're, ushering. They're, they're the are in his coattails. Yeah, um, and we have to see how, if any of them, can actually beat him. You know, he is so far ahead. And if you look back in karting, he'd beaten most of them anyway. <laughs> so, um, the fact is that Max Verstappen is a phenomenon. We have one phenomenon every generation, and he is the next phenomenon. Now, we'll see if some of the others can can get up there and, and, and battle with him. Yeah. Just as um, Mika Hakkinen was able to beat Michael Schumacher from time to time. I think you're right. Um, Verstappen or signs. I think you're right. Spot on, Joe. <laughs> Very good, yes. On the- <laughs> Well, There's a bit of a science fixation going on there. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. Oh, totally. I'm science fosy. Science fosy. He's, he's positively old compared to Max. <laughs> so I'm looking more to, you know, the, the Ocons of the world, who I think is, is great. I think Ocons are really super talent. But I think Stoffel's a great talent too. There's, there's a whole group of them. So And, and even science, you know. From Norris, there's Charles Leclerc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A whole bunch of people. So we, we've got a, bu- a good bunch of guys. What did you think you, of? Sorry, you know, Joe. So a bit more of a lag than we're normally used to. Beg your pardon. Uh, we've also got Kevin. You know who is he? He, he does tend to sort of drive annoy people a lot, but he is quick. I like him. Know. I like him, Joe. It's he's not a popular Viking. opinion. He's a Viking kind of thing. In fact, they should have when they introduced him. You know, it should have been, ladies and gentlemen, here he is, the bearded Viking from Copenhagen, Kevin Magnuson. How can you have a Viking called Kevin? <laughs> Never mind. Whatever. <laughs> Uh, are the Danes Vikings on a technicality? I'm not quite yes, sure. They are, but I'm believe sure. me, they are Vikings. Yes, is it might be a difference between Sayland and Jutland, but um, I don't know. We, we can argue later. Agree to disagree. I have a question for you. Okay, okay, okay. Who who owns Greenland? Denmark. So how did that happen? I'm going to glean from context that it involves Vikings. Okay, <laughs> fair enough. Okay, so what did you think? It involves conmen more than anything because. A man called Eric the Red told everyone it's called Greenland because he told everyone it was green. In fact, it wasn't. It was white because it was covered in ice. And so they all went there. And by the time they got there, they found they'd been conned. Snake oil salesmen. You see, they run the world. Oh, I do like a bit of snake oil. What did you make of Checo getting his wings clipped with his, come on, I can definitely get past. Are they going to reset this for next season so we can see these boys race? He just made him look a bit silly. He I did. mean, he made himself look silly because he couldn't beat him. And, and Esteban just drove away and left him. So uh, I think that I think that Sergio was just trying to sort of, you know, uh, play, play a few games and see if he could get the team to, to let him pass. But he wasn't quick enough. And the team, actually, it was a great moment when it was this radio message saying something about how Esteban was doing something. And a whole bunch of us in the media centre looked around and went, oh, there you go, Checo, you've had the message. The message is, beep, off. <laughs> in a nice yeah. way. But that's mm. what the team just basically said, you're talking a lot of rubbish, let's get on with the race. 
Finally, Joe, um, our listeners, uh, Ravion, in our Slack group, was wondering if you had had a chance to speak to anybody in McLaren, because they're now staring down the barrel of what they think will be an escape from Honda to Renault, but neither Toro Rosso nor McLaren could have been very happy this weekend looking at their engine partners for next season and thinking, ooh, might be more of the same. No, no, no. They are dancing around in McLaren. They're are so they? happy. They are, they're, they're, I can't tell you how happy they are. It's the happiest team I've seen in ages. It's like, sort of, oh, thank God we've got rid of this problem. And I think we've already seen on tracks where you don't need horsepower, we've seen um, a lot of good performances out on McLaren. Now, if you put a, an engine with – if you look at the Red Bull – and how they've done, I can see McLaren doing as well as that, if not better, next year. It'd be interesting to see how they compare to one another. But I don't see anybody unhappy at McLaren, apart from the Honda blokes who are still around. You know, but. Zach Brown certainly seems very chipper. Well, Zach, yeah, Zach, Zach um, is a chipper chap by nature. But Zach needs to deliver money. They need lots of money. So, um, you know, that's that's the, the next thing that's quite important. But I understand that. People within the team who know these things said to me um, that signing the deal with Renault has completely and utterly opened the floodgates of of sponsors being interested. Ah, now that, makes a that was not the case. So once and for all, then was it a case of Fernando Alonso said, "Move from Honda or I'm off," and that's why they did it? No, it's not why they did it because Fernando Alonso cannot be the, the dictator of the future of McLaren. McLaren, I think, gave Honda a really good run. They they worked hard to try and make it happen and tried to help Honda become competitive. And at the end, they reached the conclusion it couldn't happen. And therefore, they had to go. It's about, it's in the end, it's about the survival of a racing team. It's not about whether Fernando Alonso stays or not. It's about can McLaren go on uh, suffering like this for any more years? And the answer is no, we can't. And that's why it, it's happened. Now, if Honda can get their act together, and they should, in theory, be able to get their act together, but theory is no good in Formula One. Joe, I think we've kept you out of your pit long enough. If you've really not slept through the night, you must be looking forward to making a really? nice... <laughs> huh? I, I, all right. At one point, I think I passed out for about half an hour, but I'm not <laughs> entirely sure. So I didn't... I, I think I probably would be telling a porky if I said I didn't sleep all the way through the night. But I, I honestly, I certainly didn't get into the bed. There was a mark on where I lay on top of it while typing. But um, I sort of went face first into the keyboard. In fact, I must clear up all that nasty drooly stuff. But never mind. <laughs> certainly, get it off the screen. I'll let it, edit it out of the podcast as well. To have a shave, actually, because it's a bit, you know. Well, you're not you're not on camera per se, are you, Joe? I know you said that you have a lady that comes and powders your face when you do do TV appearances. <laughs> Well, it's happened in the past, but it's not a regular occurrence for me. I don't have anybody here with a sort of um, a powder puff. Um, there you go, Jess. Yeah. yeah, I do. Keeps the shine off the live stream, Joe. Yeah, but you're not supposed to do it yourself. You know? Yeah, little touches. Shows I care. Joe, where can people find you online and get hold of that glorious GP Plus magazine? Well, you can do that at grandprixplus.com, funnily enough. Um, and Joe Blogs F1, if you haven't found it. And... Uh, if you go to Joe Blogs F1 and you and you click on the face of me, which is slightly prettier than this one, um, it goes through and tells you all the things I do. So uh, you can find out lots more about me if you want to. 
There's, there are some terrific books. Incidentally, Christmas is coming up. And if you have any racing fans or wartime fans in your family, um, mainly this is for the ladies, um, just buy them a copy of the Grand Prix Saboteurs and they will be happy bunnies. And uh, they will... Um, it's just such a fantastic story. It's nothing to do with me. I just wrote it. Well, but I didn't, I didn't make the story. I just found out about it. I can't personally vouch for it. I mean, if I had a review copy, you know, I'd be... <laughs> <laughs> Just, I'm just saying, that's how it, isn't that how it works? That's how it works. Joe just mouthed very bad words, you guys, okay? If he comes across as a nice guy, all right? That was vicious. Joe, thank you very much. Make sure you follow Joe on Twitter, at Joe Sayward. Uh, also, tune in. We're going to be talking to somebody else who was in the F1 paddock on Thursday, a former well, a guy that was quite high in a team, Joe. I think, you think the listeners should be excited you're to hear from him? The words, you're looking for the words CEO. Of Lotus, yes. I, I, we're talking about the same man, I think, Matt, Matthew Carter. Yes. Very fine fellow. Um, he was in a terribly awful position in his role because they had no money. And he did a, uh, I, I thought he did a, a very decent job for a man in his position. So I got a lot of time for Matthew. And, uh, and I think he'll be a really interesting person to listen to. Excellent. We'll have to get the two of you on to have a chat and reminisce about the old days or something. <laughs> well we might start punting each other or something you know because uh it was quite fun sometimes but uh yeah it was uh, <laughs> did you put pressure on him joe when he was a team boss did i ever yes of course i did i'm That's definitely going to ask him i'll have to grill you then for some questions to ask him. and it's funny, you can always ask him a good question which is did he ever tell me any lies and that is a very good question because i i i don't like that but sometimes i understand that people have to do these things you know i've been told lies by some of the, the greatest names in formula one but sometimes they just have to do it, and, and but not all the time. There are people who just don't know the difference. Yeah, I remember Joe Sayward once told me he didn't know who the driver steward was. Ah, that wasn't a lie. It's a lie of it's omission. Really the whole truth. Don't worry, they're, they're just feelings. <laughs> They'll grow back. I, I just referred to a person. Yes, there was a, an experienced character in there. Just because I was being nice. That's all. Because so, sometimes I do think that people get too much criticism for what they do. But there you are. <sighs> now I'm going to go to sleep. Do it, Joe, and you guys get some rest as well. Join us on Thursday, 8 p.m. for the live stream. No, sorry, 9 p.m. UK time when we talk to Matthew. Until next time, remember that wounds heal, chicks dig scars, and glory lasts forever. This was Inside F1 with Joe, Joe Sayward. Still can't get him to rock out. Still can't get you to rock out. I mean, you're inhuman. How can you resist? What am I supposed to do? What's rocking out? I'm rocking out. I get to you. Yeah, He's still not doing it, you guys. All right. We'll leave it there. One day, Mario Kart and get him to rock out. Goodbye. <laughs> Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com.